Welcome to Anchored, a podcast brought to you by The Word Unleashed, the preaching and teaching ministry of Tom Pennington. For more of Tom's content or to connect with us, visit our website at www.thewordunleashed.org. Now here's Tom exalting God's glory, explaining God's truth. Let me just remind you that we're talking about the true nature of our God. We started by saying that He is a being, that is, He's distinct from His creation. He is living. He is infinite, that is, unlimited in His being. He is spirit, and He is personal. And then finally, we discovered that He is Trinity. And we've been talking about this whole issue of God as Trinity. There is a a reality that I would call cultural whiplash. Some of you have experienced that. I experienced it once when I traveled from India after a couple of weeks in India and traveling throughout that huge country and got on an airplane and traveled in just a few hours' time to Singapore. I've often described it as cultural whiplash because of the the huge difference between the two cultures. I also experienced it recently when we moved here, not because of Texas, but we went straight from Los Angeles. We came here, landed for a couple of days, and then got in our vehicle and drove to where I'm from, Mobile, Alabama. And as we drove to Mobile, we, we got into a small community that I think is called Wilmer. Now that tells you something about the community, just that. But as we drove through Wilmer, it is a suburb of 8 Mile, Alabama, which is a suburb of something else, which eventually is a suburb of Mobile. And so it's, it is a tiny little place with one road going through it and... I think a blinker light, if I remember correctly. And as we drove through Wilmer, it was was an evening on a Friday, I believe it was, as we drove through, and there were all of these people sitting out on their front porches watching us pass through. Our Honda Odyssey didn't exactly fit Wilmer. I think they were used primarily to old trucks. And so they were friendly, they waved, but I I found myself almost instinctively reaching over to hit the lock button on the side of the car. And then I thought, why? It's because it was such a cultural whiplash from where we had come. We'd come from a place in Los Angeles where, honestly, there's so many people just in the San Fernando Valley where Grace Church is and where I ministered, there were I think around 5 million people just in that valley. And so there's so many people that you can't say hi to everyone, and so over time there becomes this sort of insulation from the fact that there are other people there, and you just sort of ignore them, and you live almost in isolation among 5 million people. But I didn't see that in Wilmer. You know, in Wilmer, everybody was sitting out on the front porch, everybody noticed you, everyone made eye contact, and everyone waved as you went past. The stark contrast made me realize that there is a notable difference in this way. 
Los Angeles and Wilmer have this very important distinction between each other. Wilmer focuses on people. Los Angeles does not. As I thought about that as sort of a microcosm of our culture and where we've come, I was reminded of the fact that we have become more and more isolated. I read an article recently, perhaps you saw it in a major, in a major publication, that said that there is a growing tendency for individuals to be isolated. They go to work, they work in their little cubicles, they go to the store on their way home, they go home and they sit in front of the television, their family is there and isolated, and they're there until they go out the next morning to go and do what they do. More and more people live in isolation. What we saw last time as we closed the doctrine of the Trinity was that the Trinity stands in stark opposition to that sort of pursuit of privacy and secrecy. There is in the Trinity this issue of relationship. Why is relationship so important? Why are people so important? Well, remember, we were made in God's image. And because we were made in God's image, we reflect certain things that are true about God. There is within the Trinity constant fellowship and companionship. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. But there is a relationship between the persons who make up the Trinity, the God that we worship. And we are created in God's image. Therefore, the relationship within the Trinity should serve as the basis and pattern of our lives and specifically of our relationships with each other. We're made for relationship. I want to look at that tonight. The fact that there is this pattern that the Trinity sets for us. What exactly is the nature of that relationship? Some of the following list I have borrowed and modified from Stuart Scott's book, as I mentioned last time, The Exemplary Husband, but I've also added to it a great deal, and that's why I wanted you to have it, and I've sort of uh, reorganized it in some ways as well. The rest of what's here came from a study of the Gospel of John, This week, I just went through the Gospel of John and began to encapsulate some of the truths about the relationship that exists among the Trinity. And for reasons that I don't know, the Gospel of John seems to have more of that recorded than just about anywhere else in the Scripture. So let's look at this pattern Let's look first at the nature of the relationship. Before we can sort of see the implications for us, we have to see what the nature of the relationship is that exists in the Trinity. We're going to see it under three headings. First of all, we're going to look at the extent of the relationship. That is, what are the sort of boundaries around the relationship that exists in the Trinity? What are the attitudes that the various members of the Trinity or persons of the Trinity display toward each other and toward relationship? And then what are the sort of outward manifestations of the concept of relationship in the Trinity? And when we've done that, then I want to gather that all together and look at the implications for our relationships with one another. So let's begin to do that. Let's start with the extent of relationship. And I'm not going to look at all of these in detail. I'll look at some of them as we go along since you have them there on your sheet. You can look at them in more detail as you choose. 
First of all, there is, even though there is close relationship, there is uniqueness of personhood. In other words, there are three distinct persons in the Trinity. Relationship does not erase the distinctions that exist between us, nor between the members of the Trinity. And you can see that in the text there. We're not going to turn to those. But I do want you to turn to this next set, or at least a couple of them. There is within the Trinity, the relationship is characterized by unity. Turn to John chapter 10. And we're going to look a lot in John tonight. There are other places in the Scripture where these issues are documented and recorded, but again, the book of John just seems to be filled with them. These inner relationships, inner workings among the persons of the Trinity. In John chapter 10... Christ is asserting his deity, beginning in verse 22, at the time of the Feast of the Dedication in Jerusalem. It was winter time, verse 23 tells us. He was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. The Jews gather around him, and he begins to talk about his relationship to God. In verse 29, he says, My Father, who has given them to me, is greater, that is, the sheep, has, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And then he says this incredible thing in verse 30, I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered and said, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? The Jews answered, For a good work we're not stoning you, but for blasphemy. Because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. And then verse 38, he emphasizes it again. He says, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Therefore, they were seeking again to seize him, and he eluded their grasp. What is Christ saying here? He's saying that between the members of the Trinity, between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there is an inherent unity. It characterizes the relationship that they enjoy. You see it again in chapter 14. In fact, let's turn there. 14 verse 10. On the night of the Last Supper, he says to the disciples, verse 10, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Verse 11, believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. He wants us to understand that there is this cohesion, there is this connection, this intimacy. They are equal, but there is also unity between them. And you see it in the other text as well. Down in verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. There's this unity that, character, that characterizes the Trinity. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Anchored Podcast. If you'd like to access additional content from Tom, or if you're interested in partnering with The Word Unleashed, please visit our website at www.thewordunleashed.org and be sure to connect with us on social media. We look forward to studying God's Word together with you on the next episode of Anchored. Anchored.